Welcome to the Weekly Walk Podcast, where we bring you impactful sermons from our vibrant Seventh-day Adventist community in Onalaska, Washington. Join us as we explore faith, hope, and love through engaging sermons and inspiring stories. Whether you're a longtime member or just curious about our beliefs, tune in to find spiritual nourishment and a sense of community in our shared journey of faith. Uh, Brother Mike, it's a blessing to see you. Uh, it's definitely a blessing to see you, Brother Roy and family, Sister Shirley and Emily and Anne-Marie, and uh, a new face. Second time. I see. Very good. Well, nice to meet you, Sister. And uh, a beloved family here. Uh, what are your names? Eugenio. Okay. Bienvenidos, hermanos. Okay. Very good. Well, what a blessing that we have the opportunity to be in God's presence, to be able to open the word of the living God. I want to thank him so much for the privilege of being able to stand before you at uh, such a time as this, when we are living in a critical period, in a critical juncture, I would say, in this arts history. We're going to be looking at part two of our study, A Guiding Light, and I pray that you all have your uh, notepads, or if you have powerful memories, that you get those moving. And it is my hope and prayer that as we journey through this study, you may come away from this encouraged and strengthened, because as we saw in part one, the time is at hand. And the Lord is preparing and raising a people to strengthen us for the final push. As we prepare to enter into our study, as always we do, uh, we ask for two requests. First of all, I pray and ask that you all will be in a prayerful state of mind, praying and lifting me up, that the Lord would restrain any unnecessary uh, speech but also that he would enable me to share what, uh, what needs to be shared. And on my end, thank you, uh, I shall certainly be praying that the Lord will keep all our minds in a prayerful state of mind. Amen? So if possible, would you join me with your heads bowed, and I will kneel before the Lord as we prepare our hearts and minds to enter into God's presence. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We come into your presence thanking you for the privilege and for the high opportunity to be called children of the living God. As we saw in the Sabbath school hour, lively stones built up unto an acceptable house, a tabernacle for our God. And so we have come to the time where your word is to be uh, entered into, is to be broken as it were. And I pray that you would send forth your Holy Spirit to do the work that has been assigned to be done. As we enter into this work, we are reminded of the instructions that were given to Moses of old. Take off your shoes because the place wherein you stand is holy ground. 
And it is my prayer, it is my sincere request and desire, Lord, that you would please put the human element away, that Jesus may be the one who is lifted up. And I ask, as you did to Isaiah, you would do to your servant. Touch the lips with a lively call and let the words that flow out of these lips be in harmony with that which is coming from above. We are all here to learn. So now guide us. This is your time. We pray, we thank you, and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last time when we looked at the guiding light, part one, we took the time to look at how God has given provisions for the journey of the dark time in which we are living. And today we are looking at the second part, which will be going into the process when God sends light our way. And so before we get into that, we'll just do a very quick review we looked at how as we get ready to get into a journey anyone who has been on a journey who has been on a trip realizes that you cannot actually successfully take a trip without making preparation and part of that preparation is what having provisions yes and so as we are on a journey we understand that god is giving provisions for us, Jesus said, the Son of Man is like a man that went on a long journey. We looked at these things. And so Christ himself, as likening himself to somebody going on a journey, has made provisions for us. And so one of the provisions that we are seeing and that we studied has to do with this very topic of light. Uh, we looked at how, uh, as Christians, we are living in a time of darkness a time when we are called to walk in the light in fact let us just briefly go there uh, this is just a very quick overview and review for those who uh, were able uh, to be here and those also who weren't we're just going to go to uh, one of them and both of the verses are there for you we'll go to john chapter 11 and verse 10 john 11 verse 10 welcome John 11 and verse 10, and this is Jesus' statements that hopefully can enable us to comprehend the uh, solemnity of where we are at and why we need to understand the privilege of walking in the light. So John chapter 11 and verse 10, the Bible says, but if a man walk in the night, he stumbles because why? There is no light in him. And we saw that Christ here was speaking a truth, not to say that his people are not called to live in a time of darkness, but that his people, while they are in the darkness, are to be sons, are to be children, as it were, of the light. So God has given us two lights, the inner light, as well as the outer light. Ephesians tells us that the inner light is the eye of your understanding notice with us that jesus said if your eye is single 
your whole body shall be full of what? Light. But if your eye is evil, then it will be darkness. And so using scripture to unlock scripture, we found that that light, which is the eye, is really a symbol, a God-given symbol of understanding. But if you remember in the creation, God actually had two instances when he brought forth light. Remember the very first thing that we saw was when God said at the very first thing, let there be what? Light. But then as he continued in the work of creation, on the fourth day of creation, God again made uh, uh, two lights, the greater light and the lesser light. And so we have light day one, light day four. And those are synonymous of how God also works in the spiritual reality. So God sends us an inner light, but he also gives us the outer light. And using scripture that is found uh, in Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word, the Bible says, is a light unto my feet and a what? Lamp unto my path. So we have the inner light and the outer light. So that is a really uh, a quick summary of some of the provisions that God has given for us journeying in a time of great darkness. We looked at how once we are surrounded in the midst of this darkness, God has made it his clear provision for you and me that he will not leave us without a compass, without a, a, a guide to ensure that our feet are in ways of certainty. And that compass, brothers and sisters, is none other than the word of God. That is the standard of every single doctrine that we hold on to. That is the basis or the foundation of why we do what we do, why we are here, why we live the way we live. The word of God in opposition to the strife or the contention, some of which, as we will be seeing, comes from our very own or within us, as it were. So that essentially sets in, 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 in stage that we will be, which we'll be prepared to look into this afternoon uh, together. Go with me to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Christ was giving a synopsis of his coming, uh, Matthew chapter 24, uh, a very well-known passage where Christ gives a sweep of the history of the world preceding his coming but then after that prophetic outline Christ then gives a series of different parables different instructions with special light and we will find in that very first of three Matthew chapter 25 that he gives a parable that many of us are very familiar with we call it the parable of the ten virgins. Have, have you all read uh, and looked into that parable? A very well-known parable. And in that parable, we find that there were two divisions. And the divisions essentially could be divided to those who had no light versus those who had light in their dwelling, right? And in that division, we will find 
a key that can enable us to understand the process of what God is trying to do in giving, in bestowing us with his blessing to guide us in the way. It is not by mistake, brothers and sisters, that the very first thing that God brings to view when he began the creation of this world was bringing light into existence. That tells us, that should tell us that one of the very last things, spiritually speaking, he will be doing will be to bring light to a world that is in darkness. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells us that God is able to reveal the end of a matter from where? From the beginning. So if God began his works by bringing light into existence, let me tell you that God is showing us that he will also wrap up his work on earth by ensuring that light comes into view. So Matthew chapter 25, uh, let's begin with verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, verse 2, and five were foolish. And here is where we begin to see the difference between the two groups. Verse number 3 tells us, they who were foolish took their lambs and took no what with them? They took no oil. So the foolish, those who have no light, have a particular characteristic. And what is that characteristic? They have no oil. By default, even before we read the next verse, can we say that then those who have light have something? Okay. So verse 4 tells us, But the wise took oil in their vessels with the lamp. Now, the condition that we see here is one that began to work itself into a reality that would become very clear in the crisis. What do I mean by that? In verse number five, the bridegroom tarried and all, that is all virgins, the wise and the foolish, slumbered and slept. Then what everybody happens next in verse six? At the midnight, a cry was made. So there is coming an event, as far as the parable is concerned, that will bring out a situation that will demand, that will impose or bring to view a group. And this group is either going to be termed as a wise or as a foolish, depending on what and where you are whether you have made provisions, whether you have made the necessary preparation. So at midnight, the Bible tells us, a cry was made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And then verse 7, all those virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps. Now, going back to what we have already looked in the past, the Bible, and we've already seen this in Psalm 119 verse 105, thy word is a what? A lamp. So we could say that everybody, all these virgins, took the word and they began to trim it. They began to study. They began to see if they could understand the way of life. This is what Christ is trying to bring out for an understanding. And then in verse 8, there begins to be an understanding of condition. 
The foolish say unto the wise, or they said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone or going out. Now, was this possible? Was this a possibility for the wise to share with the foolish the oil? Was it possible? Yes, no? Okay. In the story, it seems to be possible. Okay, okay. And I want to share with you as we launch into this study, this guiding light, that although it may seem that the story, as far as physically speaking, the wise could say, okay, here is some oil, brother and sister. Maybe, you know, let's, let's, let's divide and see if we can make it stretch. We'll be found that in reality, the oil is something that really could not be imparted, right? So Christ is using, yes, uh, 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 an illustration to bring to view, hopefully, a uh, teaching that we all need for our understanding. As we go on, it says in verse 9, The wise answered and said, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So there's going to be a group who are going to go to the sellers of oil at a particular juncture in this story, and they're to, 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 to find this oil for themselves. But now we find the tragedy of the matter. In verse number 10, we see that while they went to buy, and we could, we, could, we could say that they were successful. They were able to buy the oil. They were able to secure what was needful. But the tragedy, brothers and sisters, in verse 10 tells us that when they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were what? They that were what, brothers and sisters? Ready. And I want to say that part of the burden that I sincerely have for us as a church family is not so much an understanding of the complicated things of the Word of God. And those things are there. It's not so much a, 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 uh, uh, an exposition of the mysteries and all the different uh, um, trails that the Word of God can take us. I believe that there's a place and time for that. But I see that the people of God, by, oh, far, by, by far and large, are not in a position of readiness. And this is our crisis. And so Christ over here gives us a very clear indicator as to what the most important work for you and I is, and that is to be ready. Because Jesus told us in another place that when this person who has gone on a journey comes, whether it's during the second watch or the third watch, he needs to find those ready and watching because he comes in an hour that is unexpected. So the crisis that's facing the wise and the foolishness, yes, you could say externally is oil. But in a sense, the greater crisis, brothers and sisters, is not the oil, but the readiness. Because the foolish, according to the parable, are able to get and secure the oil. But they're not ready. 
And so the Bible tells us in verse number 10 that they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. And then verse 11, afterward came also other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And now we hear the saddest words. But he answered and said, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. What a tragedy that they were in the right place and in the right group doing for a time the right work, having the right message, having an understanding as it were of the times that the bridegroom is coming and yet when the bridegroom came the bridegroom uttered the saddest words i do not know you and this rings over and over in my personal experience and this leads me to plead with the lord for a readiness of heart and this is this is the desire that I have for us, brothers and sisters. God has called us into this place, into this community, into our homes. There is a work to be done, and the crisis for us is readiness. We end the parable picking up with what Christ, what we read Christ saying last time, and what he says again right now in verse number 13. Jesus says what, everybody? Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And you may ask, is this for you and for me? Is this injunction to watch for us here in 2024? Is this injunction for us to watch if we're not pastors or if we're not evangelists or if we're not theo theo uh, uh, theologians? Is it for the lay people like us to watch? Well, let's go to the book of Mark. Just right after uh, Matthew is Mark. Let's go to chapter 13. Mark chapter number 13. And this is what we looked at last time, and then we are now prepared to get into this, this situation where we find ourselves. Mark 13 and verse number 37 is Jesus speaking only to the disciples at that time. Mark 13 and verse number 37, and what I say unto you, my disciples, when I'm talking to you right now, I say unto who? I say unto all watch our readiness our readiness is contingent is dependent on our watching can you reaffirm that you understood what i said what did i say our readiness is contingent or it's dependent on our what watching so let me ask you this question can you be ready without watching according to the words of jesus no it is an impossibility so this is not my word or my spin to it this is what jesus is saying to us and this is where it becomes so tricky because all of us find ourselves trapped with the cares of this world trapped with the realities and so the question i have for you is this issue this condition that we find ourselves is it a blessing or is it a curse we're just gonna quickly look at this and then get into some points 
This is an exposition on the parable that we have just read. The coming of the bridegroom was at what time? Midnight. That's verse 6. It was at midnight. So the coming of Christ will take place when? At the darkest period, at the darkest hour of human history. And this is why we need to understand the guiding light, brothers and sisters. The coming of Christ takes place in the darkest period. The scriptures pointing forward to this time declare that Satan will work with all power and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. This is found in 2 Thessalonians. And his working is plainly revealed by the rapidly increasing what? Darkness. Do you see the darkness that's taking place all around us? This is very clear. You, you, all you have to do is to just look at the news or look at society or look at the hearts of, 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 of uh, people around you or maybe even look at your own very self and it is so clear that darkness is around us and in the midst of us, the errors, the heresies, the delusions of these last days. Not only is Satan leading the world captive, now, now pay attention, but his deceptions are leavening the what? Professed churches. In other words, Christendom, Christianity. To God's people, it will be a night of trial, a night of weeping, a night of persecution for the truth's sake. But praise God, it doesn't end there. But out of that night of darkness, finish it with me, God's light will shine. I praise God for that thought, brothers and sisters. How about you? And I know that if you and I are alive at this time, it's because God is calling us to his kingdom for such a time as this. Now, we have five questions that we want to answer today. Very good question. Leavening the professed churches. Now, Jesus said something to us. If we can go there. Thank you, Mike. And I appreciate that question. If you can go with me to, uh, let's see, Matthew chapter 16. One say it's Matthew chapter 16. And I want us to look at verse 6. Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 6. Actually, let's begin with verse 4. Matthew 16, Matthew 16 and verse 4. We're answering the question, what was meant by this statement over here, uh, right there? The deception, Satan's deceptions are leavening the professed churches. So that's a good question. What is meant by that? So Matthew chapter 16, and notice in verse number 4, the Bible tells us what kind of generation? A wicked and an adulterous. Is a wicked and adulterous a good generation? No. A wicked and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Now, this is interesting because God gives us signs. But there is a generation that's going to be found saying, wait, I am not going to follow and believe unless there is a sign. Let's keep going, though. There is a wicked and adulterous generation that seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. 
and he left them, that's the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he departed. In verse 5, when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Okay, this is a physical thing that they had forgotten to take. But in verse number 6, then Jesus said unto them, take heed and beware of the what? The leaven. Okay, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And so this got the, 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 the disciples scratching their heads almost like you. What do you mean, be careful of the leaven? Jesus, what are you talking about? So in verse 7, they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we have taken no bread? Verse 8, when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O you of little faith, why reason you among yourselves saying, because we have brought no bread? Do you not understand, I'm reading verse 9, do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets he took up, neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets he took up? How is it that you do not understand that I spake not of the, uh, that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the what? <coughs> of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And then in verse 12, brother uh, Mike, Jesus uh, gives us an understanding or, or, or he imparts to us an understanding. And let me ask you, now you weren't here, Mike, but for those who are here, what is the eye a symbol of, if you remember? Does anyone remember? The eye is a symbol of? If your eye is single, it is full of what? light and then in ephesians 1 verse 18 it said that the eyes of your blank be enlightened understanding right so the eye is a symbol of understanding so in verse 12 let's look at it now in verse 12 it says then did what then they were enlightened their eye was opened that that uh they understood how Thank you so much. They understood how he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the what? Of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Now, the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and this I'll just give you for homework. If you go to the book of Luke, it tells us that their doctrine was hypocrisy. The other doctrine was uh, the unbelief except it is proven with uh, a sign. Like, I'm not going to believe unless you do this. So they were hypocrites, number one. They were actors, showing people one thing that they were not. And so what this is saying over here, okay, the deceptions are leavening the professed churches of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest deceptions is warned is given unto us by the apostle paul that in the last days there will be people who will have a form of godliness but they deny what the power of god there's going to be another group of people isaiah predicted and he said let us be called by your name seven women will take hold of one man and they will say, let us be called by your own name. However, let us eat 
our own bread. In other words, let's have our own, our own doctrine, our own creed, our own belief system, but let's just be called Christians, okay? So these are some of the things that are leavening, the way Satan is leavening the world. And that's such a, it's such a good question, and, and, and we can really expound and open it. But let me ask, have you understood the answer or the explanation? The leavening has to do with counterworking the influence of God. When God says it is written, the leavening through reasoning, through philosophy, through hypocrisy, these are the things that are making of non-effect spirituality on earth today. Christianity has brought a terrible name on the name of, of, of Jesus. That's it. That's exactly it. All right. <clears throat> In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible tells us that you are to, above all, get wisdom. But with all you're getting, get understanding. Question number one. Why does the Christian, and by, and by Christian here, I'm speaking specifically the follower of truth. Why does the Christian need an understanding of true light? Because the Bible tells us with all you're getting, get understanding. So why is it that we need an understanding of true light? Now we have five questions that we're going to just quickly go through and so first and foremost here, we have number one, why we need an understanding is because there is a challenge that faces you and I, a challenge that we cannot get around. That challenge, that reality is found, and there are three texts. Let's just go to uh, John 12, verse 35. Uh, you can note down the other three, but we're going to go to John chapter 12, verse 35. Christ over and over again challenged his disciples, challenges you and I to understand that we are not in a good way at this time. John chapter 12 and verse 35, the Bible tells us or gives us a challenge that we need to understand. John 12 and verse 35, the Bible says, Jesus said unto them, yet, how much? A little while, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness comes upon you. For he that walketh in darkness does not know where he is going. So Jesus has given a challenge. And this challenge will help us to understand, brothers and sisters, the dangers of not understanding light. It will become clearer as we go forward. But that's the first point. We are called to walk in the midst of darkness. Now, the Bible over here, when the Bible uses the word walk, obviously it's speaking of spiritual things. It is, it is, it is uh, uh, speaking of lifestyle. You and I, when we are called into life, when we are born, our journey begins as it were. Does that make sense? And so we begin walking, we begin our journey. But specifically, not speaking about our physical life, when we accept Christ, the Bible uses that, that experience as called being born again. And so now we begin our journey. And just like with a baby, we begin by crawling, and then after crawling, we take our first few steps, and then after that, we're able to walk and then to run. 
And all those stages are all showed in Scripture. So the Bible, when the Bible says walk, it's speaking spiritual things as far as our, life, our lifestyle, our conduct. Does that make sense? The first challenge, the first reason for why as Christians we need to understand the light is because we are challenged to live in a time of great darkness. Now, not only are we in a time of great darkness, but we are also in a time, as the Bible says, no marvel because Satan himself is transformed into what? An angel of light. This, this tells us, brothers and sisters, that we are in a time of tremendous danger. If Satan has come as bringing light, does Satan work with or in partnership with God? Is Satan and God in the same team? No. And so if God is giving us light, and then Satan comes and says, here is light, do you see that there is a serious problem? And so the Christian is in absolute need of understanding light, not just because he is in darkness, but for the very reason, brothers and sisters, that an enemy who means no good for you or me is also peddling light, as it were. This is why we need to understand light. We are in times of danger. We have been given a challenge. And so with everything that God is giving us, we need to understand the truths, the light that God is giving to you and I. That's question number one. Do you, is, is it clear why we need to have an understanding of light? Amen. Let's go on to question number two. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, Thou will keep him how? In perfect peace. Not just in any kind of peace, in perfect peace. When I think about the word perfect peace, it reminds me of Jesus in the middle of a storm. Now, when Jesus walked on this earth, they did not have yachts that you could go inside when it's raining or come away from the elements. In other words, Christ was out in the open. But you and I know the story. The Bible tells us that in this storm, when the seasoned fishermen, who were, who were seafaring men, they actually thought that they were dying, Jesus was found doing what? He was sleeping. How do you... How, how, does your, can your mind wrap around this, 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 this picture? How do you sleep when water is pouring on you? I, I don't understand that. But what that tells me is this is an illustration of somebody who was in perfect peace. Now, the Bible gives us cause and effect. He was in perfect peace. Why? That's exactly right. Christ had brought himself to a place where he trusted in God. He trusted in his father. Now notice with me why it is so critical for us to understand this issue concerning the light that we have. Turn with me to the book of James, James chapter 1, James chapter 1 and verse 17. We'll move uh, probably a little faster now. James chapter 1 and verse 17. As we go through scripture, it's, it's going to become clearer and clearer that God's desire is for us 
to have an intelligent understanding of the light that he is giving. Why? Because at the midnight cry, there is going to be two groups, those who have no light and those who have light. Well, what do you mean having light, having no light? It's going to functionally mean those who have an understanding that is guided, that is directed by the Spirit of God to enable them to be ready, to enable them to shine. And the tragedy, brothers and sisters, is we cannot be ready for our loved ones. As much as we may love those who are near and dear, a mother cannot be ready for her child. A husband cannot be ready for his wife or wife for her husband or siblings for siblings. This is the tragedy of it all. And so solo, everybody, one by one, has to be ready for themselves. Notice with me James chapter 1 and verse 17. The Bible says every good gift and every what? Perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights. Plural. It doesn't come down from the father of light alone, but it comes from the father of lights. We have been looking and studying how there is an inner light that God blesses every person, but there is also an outer light that he surrounds them. Just like the way we have the inner light of conscience, and we're also clothed with the outer light of the word of God or of the Lord Jesus Christ, spiritually speaking. So we are asking ourselves the question, what has our father, the father of lights, provided to guide his children who are surrounded by darkness and confronted with a powerful enemy? As we have seen in question number one, we are challenged in this time of darkness. And not just challenged, but we are opposed by the enemy as well. Who is offering false light for true light? What does our father have in response of that? Number one, he has given us the light of life. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Our Father of lights, brothers and sisters, has made provision for the journey. And the very first provision he has given is the light of life, even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Number two, God has given us the light of his word. Psalm 119 verse 105, thy word, again, as we've already seen this, is a lamp unto my feet, is a light unto my path. And so over here we see that God will not leave us as our father of lights. God will not leave us to wander in darkness. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If God, who is our father, our loving father, understands the darkness in which we are living, how can he leave his children to stumble? Do you remember how Jesus said that if you walk in darkness, you will stumble because you do not know where you're going? Do you remember we read that? I heard one, yes. So somebody's following me. And if he sees his children in darkness, what parent is there who will allow his child to make decisions that he realizes are only going to end in tragedy without sending help? And if we are evil 
and we know how to try to give good gifts to our children, then how much more will our Father who is in heaven not give us of those good gifts? Even summed as the gift or the light of his spirit. Now, as we've seen, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. As the psalmist says, thy word is a light unto my feet. But I want us to also see that God has not left us without the guiding light of his spirit. The blessing of the spirit that is given to each and every one of us. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Now, just in case we don't go through all five questions, we will pick it up in the future. So I do not put in too much there, but there are things that we need to, to, to see, to understand, because in the tragedy, the division between the wise or the foolish and the wise was what? An oil issue. But the oil issue was a diagnosis of an internal issue that we already talked about. What was that issue? They that were ready. Do you remember that? So, so, so the oil is an external indicator of an internal condition. And why this is important, my dear brothers and sisters, why this is important for us to grasp here is because, as I mentioned, the tragedy that God's people are facing right now is a tragedy of, of leaven. There is a certain aspect of, well, we're all in the right place at the right time. We must be all in the right experience and all we're waiting for is the bridegroom to come and we're all going to go with him and live happily ever after. There is a strong urge to think that. But Jesus foresaw the deceptions and said, please, do not be deceived. That's not the way it's going to be. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? And so this situation is for us to really grasp, really take the time so that we can ensure that we are ready. Because what Jesus is not trying to say, Jesus is not trying to say that it's impossible for a church to have all its members ready. That's not what Christ is trying to do. He's not trying to discourage. He's not trying to discourage and say, well, it's impossible for an entire family to be saved. He's not trying to say that there always has to be two groups. What Jesus is trying to say is that unless we understand, unless we receive of his instruction and follow on, we will definitely be found with two classes. So it is imperative. It is absolutely necessary for you and me to believe what Jesus has said if we are all to be found in a state of readiness. That part I hope is clear. And so as we were saying here in Revelation chapter 5, those are the three texts, we want to see how his spirit, and this is what I was going to say, which is a symbol, right? Oil is a symbol of the spirit. His spirit is also an aspect of light that God has given to guide us in the way. Let's just look at a few verses real quickly to try to tie this in and then uh, 
if 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 uh, need be, we will just go for a little more before we close. Revelation chapter five, beginning with me in verse number six. Revelation five and verse six. Are we there? The Bible says, I beheld, this is John speaking, I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood what? A lamb as he had been slain. Now this lamb having seven horns and seven what? Eyes, which are the seven spirits, which uh, of God sent forth into all the earth and what I want us to see is God likens his spirit to the eyes, right? To the seven eyes. Now, just a few other texts. Let's go to chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 verse 5. <clears throat> And out of, the out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, now, as we've been learning to study here and on Alaska, we try to use line upon line, one link of truth to another link of truth, to chain these truths together. The lamps of fire, which are the seven spirits, would you say that a lamp is a light? So here you have lamps of fire, and the Bible says that these lamps of fire are the seven spirits, but these spirits, according to Revelation chapter 5, are eyes. Let's just, 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 just use a few more just to, to, to really make this tight because then we will understand a little more as we deepen. Let's go to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, verse 6. I'm not going to go to Isaiah or Zechariah for now, but those texts speak about the seven spirits or in Zechariah, the seven eyes. So I'm not going to go there for now. I'll just end with Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, and I want us to notice in verse 6 how all this is tied together. Spirit, eyes, lamps, or fire, and we know that lamps are light as well. What we're looking at is how the father of lights has seen his people in darkness and has given of his blessings. And one of those blessings is the spirit, which is light, which is what is being typified here as the seven lamps or the seven eyes. Notice Daniel chapter 10. Are we there in Daniel? Amen. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 6. His body, this is speaking about the appearance of this man. His body was like the barrel and his face as the appearance of lightning and his what? Eyes as lamps of fire so the eyes were as lamps of fire and the lamps of fire according to revelation chapter 4 are the seven spirits but according to revelation chapter 5 the seven spirits are seven eyes or seven eyes or seven spirits is this is this all clear what we're looking at is that in this time 
of darkness, God desires for you and I to have the perfect peace as we trust him that we don't have to stumble. We don't have to be in a place where we are unsure when Satan comes to us peddling light, which we know is not light. Are we, are we good so far? Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Uh, to really uh, bulwark what you're saying, brother, and, and, and bring it to clarification. Luke chapter, what did I say? Thank you. And notice with me in verse 34. Verse 34 and uh, verse 35. And then we will see, as you were saying, Chris, uh, the issue with no light uh, is, is really an interesting issue. Um, and Christ helps to dis uh, help us to clarify what he's talking about. So Luke chapter 11, verse number 34. The light of the body is what? The eye. Just, just, just follow and pay attention. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, Jesus is saying, when thine eye is single... Thy whole body is what? It's full of light. What is the condition for having light or fullness of light? Singleness of eye. Very good. But now go on and see what Jesus says. But when thine eye is evil, thy whole body is what? Full of darkness. So you have single eye, full of light. Double eye or not singleness of eye, fullness of darkness. Then notice what Jesus says. In verse 35, this is very curious and very important. Take heed, therefore, that the what? That the light that is in you be not what? Be not darkness. So it is possible for you not to have fullness of light, Chris, and yet Jesus says it's darkness. Are, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? Jesus is saying it, it, it matters not whether you are partially light. It's the same thing if you're dark. There's no middle ground. And this is the point of the tragedy of this parable. Yes, they were virgins. Yes, they had some aspects of truth. They had the alarms. They were at the right place doing the right thing. And yet they were not ready. And what is it that determined that? It was this situation here that they were lacking. And so we can definitely, brothers and sisters, have the peace, the perfect peace that God's love for his people will ensure that we are not left in darkness. Now, I thank you all for the questions you have brought in. Definitely, uh, um, what, I'm, what we're going to do is we're going to stop here. There are three more questions. <laughs> there are three questions. But uh, just in, 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 um, in respect both of time and also how much you can be able to digest, we'll, we'll stop here. We're not in a hurry. So uh, we'll finish part two. We have... Uh, Part one, part two, and after part two, I also have just one more, a part three, to finish this guiding light. But so we're going to do part two, number B, next time, which is just finishing the, 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 the three last questions. Brothers and sisters, what good is it if we rush through all these studies and we're not ready? Like, what, what, what good is that? We'll have indigestion. It's not good, Brother Mike. Does it do any good? No. 
So please bear with me. We're not trying to unnecessarily lengthen the process, but the, the critical things we need to understand. And this is why we take the time to labor, to do what we are doing, is because Jesus, the all-wise, has told us something very clear. When I come, my people, if they're not taking heed, are going to be found in two camps. And it is by the grace of God that my prayer for you as a, as a ministering brother is that at on Alaska, we will say, by God's grace, we are ready. By God's grace, we understand what you desire of us. By God's grace, we are ready to do the truth. What do I mean by that? Let's just close by reading the, 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 the text for our uh, uh, scripture reading for today. This is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, John chapter 3 and verse 21. Jesus had already gone through the interview process and he had put Nicodemus's ideas upside down as it were. Nicodemus had come to understand that what I thought as a Pharisee, as a privileged man in Israel, that I was the favored of God, somehow I was wrong. I am not ready to see the kingdom of God. That's really the bottom line of what Nicodemus ended up understanding. He was not ready. And so Jesus ends by saying to him, as we read uh, for the scripture reading, and I just want to, I, I want us to close with that, and that's all I'm going to uh, say. John chapter 3 and verse 21. Jesus says, but he, that, what? Talks about the truth? Does a study on the truth? Doeth truth. But he that does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought or worked out in God. And so where we're going with this, as far as just giving you a trajectory of where we're heading, is we're heading to a place where we can understand what does God want of me as an individual, that I might be in the light. And that's why Jesus says, for you to be in the light, you must do truth. He doesn't say talk about it. He doesn't just say know it. Although those things are important. It's important for us to talk about truth. It's important for us to know truth, Brother Jordan. But more than that, we must do the truth. And that's where we're heading. And so, brothers and sisters, I pray that God blesses you. Has this study made any sense? Praise God. Praise God. My friends, I ask, I pray, I hope that it will be said of us as a church family. Behold my people. Behold my children in Onalaska have prepared and have made themselves ready for the marriage of the Lamb. That is sincerely my prayer for each and every one of us. And so with, this, with that being said, let us commend ourselves into God's hands as we close our study for this afternoon. Let us pray. Eternal Father in heaven, we come into your presence, 
on this Sabbath day, thanking you so much for the privilege and for the blessing of being here studying at the feet of Jesus, him who is light, him who is truth. Father, it is my prayer that you will bless on Alaska this morning, this afternoon now. Bless us all with this experience that we have seen here, the experience of the wise. And they that are wise shall shine as the stars, as the firmament, and those that lead many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. I pray that it will be said of this group here, behold, she has made herself ready. I pray, O Father of lights, that we will be enabled to understand what readiness looks like. And so to this end, Father, it is my prayer now that you will bless and keep your people, that you will make your countenance to shine upon them, that you will be gracious unto them, and that you will give them your peace. Behold, we are thy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this journey through faith and community. As we conclude today's episode, we encourage you to carry the spirit of fellowship and compassion into your week ahead. Remember, in On Alaska and Beyond, let's continue to spread love and understanding reflecting the teachings of Christ in all that we do. If you ever find yourself in the neighborhood, feel free to stop in and say hi. We will gladly share a meal with you. Till next week.